0: The Gubbi Gubbi are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We
1: extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.
0: Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali the podcast that tells the survival stories of blood product recipients, to thank donors and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets and breast milk. This season, we are also telling the stories of blood donors. Milkshakes for Mali aims to bridge the gap of anonymity between blood donors and their recipients. If you have ever been a blood donor, you could be the one who saved, prolonged or improved the quality of life for the person that we profile here each week on the podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. This week's guest is blood donor and one half of the Australian children's entertainment phenomenon, the Teeny Tiny Stevies. Bill Steven is an author alongside her sister Beth and they front the indie folk band, The Little Stevies. The teeny tiny Stevies fill homes all over Australia with their catchy music and songs that embed important messaging for children. Songs like Boss of My Own Body, I Only Go to the Toilet on the Toilet and Vegetable Rainbow that engage children in important lessons while entertaining them with music that is entirely less irritating than many of the other children's offerings for entertainment. It was so strange for me to meet Bill via video call for this interview because the teeny tiny Stevies have been such a constant companions for Marley through the crazy insomnia in hospital and at home that has plagued her since the beginning of her treatment for autoimmune encephalitis. We initially thought that the insomnia was just a short-term side effect of the high dose steroid infusions that we used to reduce the inflammation on her brain but we now understand that her circadian rhythms have been permanently altered by this treatment. This means that while she is chronically fatigued, she's also still wide awake late at night and sometimes into the early hours of the morning. For many a night, for many a year, the teeny tiny Stevies and their music have kept us company through those long hours. One of the great things about this chat is our discussion around the importance of play therapy and music therapy. Bill was a joy to interview and was so generous in recording a song with Marley to help our little niece, Evie Kate, prepare for becoming a big sister early next year. As Chilli Healer would say, this one is filled with happy tears. I hope you enjoy my chat with Bill Stephen. Okay, Uh, so today we welcome Sibylla Stephen, better known as Bill from the Teeny Tiny Stevies. Um, Welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast and community.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Um, It's so funny seeing you without Beth next to you. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I do spend a lot of my life without Beth next to me, but I do spend, yeah, 50% of my life is with Beth next to me too. So it's also weird for me on some front.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not to have her as your right hand man, as I'm sure it feels like most of the time. Um, yeah. So I contacted you after I saw um, your band perform here on the Sunshine Coast at Aussie oh. World, which was a oh, dream right. come true. For two of our three children, the big one would say that he's far too big for the teeny tiny Stevies now, but enough, he's yeah. 12 and he still has a little groove. I mean, don't we all? Because He it's probably still
1: really liked it, but he's not going to tell anyone about absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Way too cool for that. Um, but yeah. the 10
0: year old was not missing out on the opportunity. So they were the kids that were dancing up the front having an absolutely beautiful time. That's so um, cool. And I contacted you guys to see if you had ever been a blood donor or a blood product recipient. Um, can you tell me what your connection to blood donation is? Well,
1: <laughs> we would get. Well, this is what we were we were texting back and forth about. I said, I don't think I should be on the podcast because I think it's been. I think I may be donated blood like once or twice years ago. You yeah. know, because um, it's not. It's not that I don't. I don't think it's a great thing to do. It's just I did it years ago, and then I had kids, and you know, my that my kids have not ever needed um, blood products. So I, uh, it, then life gets very, very busy and I just haven't donated blood since, you know. Yeah. Um, well, so we now, no, that I don't think hard. I should be on.
0: That <laughs> if you have been a blood donor once, that means that you are always a blood donor and we can, you can always refer to yourself as a blood donor for life. So thank you so much for being part of the Milkshakes Somali community. And thank you so much for being a blood donor because even one blood donation saves three lives. So well, after donation- this,
1: I'm obviously right. going to be donating blood often because I'll just feel too <laughs> bad for coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do, we would love that donation to count towards the Milkshakes for Mali Lifeblood team now that you oh, are part cool. of our community. <laughs> um, so because, yeah, because you have been a blood donor, that means that you get to listen to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast episodes and wonder if you were the one who saved the life of one of the guests that we interview each Aww. week and that's yeah. what the concept of this podcast is is <clears throat> closing that gap about anybody between blood donors and their recipients um and we just saw the power in telling marley's story and how much that got people back in donor chairs and so we've wanted to tell all of the stories um of australian blood product recipients and look whether that's stories where people have saved a life preserved a life for a bit longer improved quality of life Um, sometimes it's literally just that platelets have been able to give cancer patients enough quality of life and clarity to be able to say goodbye to the people that they love and I don't think you can put a price
1: on that. Um, Australian blood donors are just the most amazing people. So well, when you think about it like that, of course, it's one of the simplest things to do, isn't it? To absolutely. to have a real life-changing effect on somebody else that's that really needs it. So yeah, good on you. Yeah. And it doesn't cost you anything.
0: That's no. the other thing that you know. I think post-pandemic, not that COVID's completely over, but we feel like we're part through the acute phase of it. I think people have really started reflecting on their lives and their time and what we can, like what we contribute to our communities. And it's something that people can do that doesn't cost anything. It's just your time. And yeah, it- keeps people alive and it keeps families together and that's one of the big things that we talk about is that it hasn't just kept Mali alive it's kept a little sister with her big brothers and it's kept a daughter with her parents and yeah now it keeps her as a little girl who is part-time at school it keeps her with her classmates and being able to have a chance of having a slice of a normal childhood
1: and I just don't it, think sit can put a price on how that. How often is she still having to uh, Received blood, like, and how often does she do that? Sorry yeah, for asking a so question. At- listeners, probably no.
0: No, so at one stage, we were three days out of every 10 that she was in hospital. So we'd be in three, out for seven, in three, out for seven. The standard protocol is to do a single dose every four weeks for autoimmune encephalitis. She was on double doses every 10 days at one stage. At the moment, she's considered to be in remission. So we're quite stable at the moment and we're not on that regular protocol. But given the relapse rate of autoimmune encephalitis, they say that if sometimes it's just one acute event, If you relapse once within the first 12 months, Mm -hmm. then um, it's a lifelong condition for you and you will relapse again. And she had four acute relapses within the first 12 months. So we know that this will be a lifelong event for her. Um, So while she's not, you know, booked in for the regular infusions at the moment, that could change at any moment. And we know that that's the protocol that works for her straight away. So that's exactly, yeah, what we would do. and when she does relapse, she doesn't just need that normal single dose. She needs a massive amount of plasma to keep her alive. So um, our pediatric immunologist refers to plasma infusions. The Mali um, is life-saving when she relapses and life-preserving for every infusion in between. So wow, special stuff.
1: <laughs> you, you, we guys have have been, you guys have been through a special time we
0: have we absolutely (laughs) have and it's certainly reframed the way that we live our life as well you know we know how lucky we are to still have her and there's no guarantees of how long that will last you know every time she has a um acute relapse and has a prolonged status ap- epileptic seizure with her brain inflammation, it's life-threatening. And we don't know if she will survive those events. If she does, we don't know whether she will be able to see, hear, walk, talk, you know, even recognize us as her parents. And we've had stages where we've been so grateful that she has come out of an induced coma in a pediatric intensive care unit. They've been able oh to extubate gosh. her. She starts breathing on her own and we're so relieved that she has survived And then she comes out of it and all you want to do is hug her and kiss her and tell her how much you love her, but she's got no idea who we are. (gasps) And you don't know if that brain damage will be permanent. Um, She does have a brain injury, um, but at the moment you'll see, she wants to come and say hello to you as part of this interview. So um, 18 months, about 18 months, two years ago, she was mixed use in a wheelchair. She was using a speech device to communicate as her primary form of communication. And now she will, as I said to you before, she came to me before and said, if I get to talk to the teeny tiny
1: Stevie's today, it will be the best day of my life. So <laughs>
0: that gives you an idea of the
1: way that she now communicates. Um, so and that's that very is- flattering. I'm sure it won't be, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, um, I mean, I kind of hope it's not too, because I've done some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's well. <laughs> quite rude to you, but. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? You just take it.
1: <laughs> you do. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever makes her smile. So she's um, essentially having to, um, you know, re- uh, what's the word? Recover or like re- yeah, um, she does
0: rehabilitation.
1: Right, every time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, and it just
0: depends how far she regresses um, mm-hmm. with her development and how prolonged that brain inflammation is. So essentially what autoimmune encephalitis means is that her immune system is wrongly identifying her healthy brain cells as foreign and attacking her brain um right. in the same way that a type 1 diabetics body attacks the pancreas and stops them being able to produce insulin properly that's one of the right. common autoimmune things that people know about that but brain cells so of all the yeah. things your body could be attacking
1: it's not ideal um isn't that we- wild that um the, or is that so is the autoimmune part of what you've just said is that that part essentially is the your own body attacking a thing in your yeah okay yeah. sorry so it's I don't wrongly... mean needs to be a doctor's visit Absolutely. but yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> and would you say that <laughs> this is not a medically or scientifically correct
1: podcast right of course um, yeah, yeah but mm. it's
0: her yeah her immune system wrongly identifies those brain cells as foreign and so it's attacking that part of her brain and each mm. relapse that she has doesn't always look exactly the same so sometimes we need to treat it a little bit differently um, but that's yeah in a nutshell that's exactly what's happening with her and Um, it's an incredibly rare thing it's even more rare to have a pediatric presentation in the way that hers was so we at one stage had doctors all over the world trying to work out what we could do just to keep her alive because we'd think that we would get her stable um, and we thought she was doing really really well and then she had a 39 hour seizure which was her longest seizure that's standard adding convulsant medication what does that what
1: does that look like a 39 hour seizure
0: So it's not convulsing the whole time. Um, She has non-convulsive status seizures. So Mm -hmm. it will mean that it just looks like she's in a really deep sleep, but her brain activity is actually, I mean, she definitely does have the rigidity and she does have some convulsion as well with those, but she's not convulsing the whole time. Um, But a status epilepticus seizure means that her brain doesn't ever fully recover and return to baseline before the next lot of seizures start. So um, where we have been phenomenally lucky is that she has a seizure response service dog named Patty. Um, okay. He's a beautiful chocolate Labrador. Um, and he was, he's was he been trained to alert to the scent of her seizures before they actually hit. Stop so, it. I know. Wow. So two to four hours usually in that range what? before a seizure cluster hits.
1: The dog hits can smell it two to four hours before.
0: It's absolutely insane, and people can't really believe it unless they. See how it. do they try? How do they do so that? It's the pheromones that you emit. So her scent changes. He picks up on things like if she becomes agitated, which will happen before she has a seizure. If her heart rate increases, um, just her general behavioural change, he will pick up on really quickly. Wow. Um, he also lets us know if she's sometimes he. It's a different type of way that he lets us know. But if she's getting sick, he will let us know long before really? she actually peaks a fever um he's just they're just so in tune with each other can
1: any way. Labrador do this or is it so I mean I don't <laughs> I, I, ha- I have I don't... A, a Labrador cross with a Cavalier there you go we'll see people <laughs> maybe I'll train my dog to do
0: <laughs> labs in particular are very very good at it um so he went through he had to go through a service dog training program yeah. and then sort of the cream of the crop gets to go on and be medical assistance and Amazing. the top of those dogs can do seizure
1: response so it's sort of the hardest dog to train I um, can't, had this pretty can't even train mine to sit and not get up <laughs> walk from. The... sorry excuse me I interrupted you okay.
0: <laughs> and lots of people say that and he's funny because when he's in coat like, out in the community, he's got his service coat on. Ah, right. beautifully, like, beautifully behaved. Take him yeah. home, take his coat off, give him the command so that he knows that he's not working anymore. And he is a normal crazy chocolate Labrador that, like, really? does around the backyard and, like, rolls in mud and does all sorts of crazy things. And he needs that big release because he works so hard. Um, yeah. But in terms of seizure response, he doesn't need his coat on to do that. So he um, sleeps in a crate in Marley's room and we'll really? bite in the middle of the night if he's worried about her so that we can get up and check her through the night. And
1: he's just completely oh, changed our lives. I'll be thinking about that, about this for weeks. Like, yeah. I just think that's amazing. amazing.
0: Yeah, totally it's just amazing. phenomenal. He just, yeah, it's really hard to wrap your brain around. And I think we were optimistic that it, would look like this but we found it hard to really believe it and we figured when we got him because um, all of our children are on the autism spectrum as well and he's asd trained so we thought worst case scenario we get a dog that's asd trained that can help reduce her stress levels with by companionship um and that can come into hospital with her because she was spending that much time in hospital then she was almost full-time in hospital to be able to offer her some companionship and you know if that's all that he does is to help calm her down help with her asd whatever then that's worth the investment that our yeah. incredible friends and family fundraised for us because it's thirty thousand dollars to get one of these dogs oh no i Medicare see their coverage can't claim anything on the ndis wow um, even though they are proven to reduce seizures um right alert so early so you don't cluster so
1: you can treat them earlier so your chance for brain damage is much lower so i was going Um, to say when he when he does alert you what's the process then for you guys are you guys then all right just checking temperatures or looking at marley obviously and sort of yeah so primarily to
0: keep her safe um straight to the hospital no, not straight to the hospital because we're trained to manage so much of it at home. Ourselves. Right. So we can give her up to two lots of mendazolam before we take her to a hospital because we've okay. got all the hospital-grade, you know, pulse oximetry equipment at home and everything to make sure she doesn't lose an airway. You know, if she looks like she's having trouble breathing, obviously we go straight to a hospital. Wow. Um, but, yeah, he yeah, so we can give medication to disrupt the onset of the seizure activity so that we treat it early um, yeah. but also you know make sure that we you know that she isn't overheated or if she's got a temperature coming on we can make sure we give her some panadol because you know increase yeah. temperature reduce seizure threshold make sure that she doesn't get stressed okay. you would never let her i mean she doesn't anyway but you make sure that you've got eyes on her at all times like you know right we've got to supervise her like in the bathroom in the shower and all that kind of stuff she has a seizure slips over it's not ideal yeah Um, We've got a pool um, and she is six and it's been the best thing for her rehab to strengthen her, but she still swims with like a little life jacket on just in case she has a seizure in the water. Um, She had an episode last night while I was in the bath with her and it just makes you realize we were just chatting away, playing little mermaids. She also has a functional neurological disorder. So sometimes you don't know if it's true epileptic activity or if it's just that brain damage and that cognitive function that switches, but, she yeah chatting away playing away became quite distressed completely unresponsive like a rag doll in the bath
1: oh just god I
0: got up on my chest completely out of it nothing you could do to bring her back around completely unresponsive <sighs> breathing heartbeat fine all of those things so I'm just checking those things while yelling out to yeah. my husband and she lasted like that for a couple of minutes and then she came back around and got
1: on with the rest of her evening so wow. it's
0: just yeah
1: hang on and had the dog yeah, he was very
0: agitated day? before that happened so really yeah. okay so I wouldn't have let like even if I was in the room with her I wouldn't have let her get into the bath by herself in a situation right okay like that. so her and I were in the bath together because she really yep. wanted a bath yeah crazy crazy he's incredible anyway, interested.
1: <laughs> I thought I was stressed and busy <laughs>
0: Milkshakes for Marley is our Instagram page for the podcast, but we also put a lot of information about Paddy on there as well, and mm. the incredible work that he does to support Marley. So. Um, if anyone's interested, just follow the Instagram page and um, yeah, we quite often tag smart pups in things and they're the organization that trained him and yeah, he's just completely changed our lives. We're just so grateful for How him. Fantastic. Um, so we referred before to the fact that you were a blood donor early on um, yes. and like you, I was a committed blood donor back in the day. And then well, yeah, when maybe, you say like me, committed blood breastfeed. donor. Or you have heavy periods and you get anemic or frankly, you just don't have time because you have small children and life is hectic and Mm -hmm. we're trying to be busy working mums and do all of the things. And where do you find the time for the blood donation? Um, Side note, we have been finding time with my girlfriends that we will book in a blood donation at the same time. So we get to sit for an hour and a half and do a plasma donation uninterrupted. And we can actually talk to each other in recliners next to each other.
1: That's really nice.
0: Around us to interrupt us. And it's that's a really
1: nice idea
0: hour and a half since so you walk out feeling like you've done a good thing for the world and you get a milkshake on the way out and everything is good so we have done that a little bit um, but that's part of the concept of this podcast is to shine a light as well on why people can't donate um mm-hmm. only one in 30 Australians that are eligible to donate do right. and it would be really nice if we had more people donating on a regular basis so that people could guilt-free have they check out of blood donation during those childbearing years or You know, when you've got little people that are sick or, you know, whatever it is, you should be able to, you know, be able to check out for a little while. It breaks my heart when I have people come on here and they're the parents of chronically ill children that are trying to find time to do blood donations between looking after their kids in hospital and their PTSD from that medical trauma of having such, you know, very, very, mm-hmm. very, very, very sick little people and nearly losing them. And they get there yeah. and they put the hand sanitizer on their hands to do a blood donation. And they're taken right back to that pediatric intensive care unit with their sick child. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why Like, I would love to get to a point through this podcast. And, you know, there's lots of other, you know, blood donation advocates in Australia, but to a point where enough people are donating blood, but that those people don't have to worry about critical blood shortages all the time in Australia and feel like they have to put themselves back through that to make blood donations so
1: um yeah that's yeah. that's a fair enough Want a place to want to get to mm.
0: <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah um, so I have spoken on the podcast before, um, but alongside making this podcast, um, I am currently retraining to become a child-centered play therapist. Um, oh, wow. I, in a previous life, before Mali became unwell, um, was managing sexual health policy for the federal government and had my own private practice in sex therapy and sexual and reproductive health education ah. um, alongside that. Um, don't at all regret putting all of that to the side to be with my beautiful little family, obviously. But yeah. um so I've got the therapist training and I'm just sort of pivoting at the moment to do child-centered play therapy. Um, a big reason that I'm doing that is the only way for children to access play therapy for medical trauma that's offered publicly is to go back into a hospital to see a hospital play therapist now our yes. little people that have spent so much time in there the minute that you you know pull up in the hospital car park or go back through the front door Marley will always say to me as soon as we get to a hospital car park mummy is today a herding appointment or a talking appointment and yeah she will ask that every time you go back in so I really want to create You know, I'm sure there is other ones in Australia, but where I am, there's no option to do that. So I'm creating my own space that kids can come in and they can access that child-centered play therapy to help them heal from that medical trauma. I mean, obviously I can do other types of trauma as well, but that's Mm -hmm. where my passion is, um, to help these little people. Um, One of the things that Marley connected with really beautifully when we were in hospital was the music therapists and the music play therapists that would come to see her in hospital. Um, What is it about music and little children that is so magical? (laughs) You
1: should probably ask one of the music therapists to be honest, because <laughs> I'm definitely not going to give you a scientific answer. Um, I said before, I
0: don't, not a scientific. No, because I I don't not. know.
1: But um, you know, so my answer could my. How about I give you some kind of a magical answer? Um, okay, a lot of magical <laughs> I love magical. I don't know, like, but I I definitely experience that all the time. Um, we feel so lucky and privileged, really, to to be doing Teeny Chinese Stevie stuff. The Teeny Chinese TVs was a pivot for us in that um, we were, oh, sorry, we are musicians. We've always been musicians and songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, but to continue being that and and not have to sort of get office jobs, we had come to a point in our music career where we had to diversify and and be able to do more stuff other than just, you know, tour overseas for six months and tour here for six months. That sort of just wasn't going to work. So, yeah. Um, so, teeny tiny series itself was a bit of a pivot for us, but we had all these sort of very, <laughs> we had all these very strict rules about it. Okay, well, if we're going to do kids stuff, let's make it different in these ways and blah blah blah. blah. But anyway, um, I don't think either of us could have uh, anticipated just how fulfilling and lovely and amazing it is to, um, you know, just. Bleh, be if it, there's a difference from sort of writing a song from the perspective of like here's a song about how I'm feeling you know as opposed to like all right let this is what parents are struggling with this is what kids have have, have got going on let's let's actually try and do this really challenging thing with write a good song mm-hmm. about this particular topic and then let's see what they think I, I never you know like that is so fulfilling <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> doing that. Yeah, um, and uh, and yeah, we get we get sort of messages from people all the time who who say things like um, and this is this is another thing that we didn't anticipate, of course, but yeah, my child's on, on an autism spectrum or, or or whatever, and or my child is um, you know, uh, d- doesn't speak um, mm-hmm. delayed speech, uh, but they sing to all your songs. You know yeah.
0: how nuts is that? That's what like a beautiful little segue into the next question and story <laughs> yeah. that I was about to tell you. It's almost like we wrote this together. Yeah. So, um when Marley was at her sickest and she was seeing a music therapist, we would see that connection in Really, uh, to music and the way that she would find joy in music. Um and for a long time she was she was like, she spoke when she was younger, but as a result of the brain damage, she was quite nonverbal and she was using a communication device to be able to communicate for a little while. Yeah. Um, but she had such a strong connection to teeny tiny Stevie's songs. And ah. I think part of it was that it's, Like, you guys sound like the other Australians around her, which is hard to find Mm. in children's entertainment. You know, it's hard to have Australian children's entertainment that's easily accessible. Um, You would be surprised how much you guys are on uh, iPad screens all through children's hospitals all over Australia. Really? (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Everywhere. But it also gave her an ability to have access to something that... Because she was so developmentally delayed, she's got a global developmental delay from all of the brain damage that she's got. She had that love of music and we could work on goals within your songs that met her at the time that she needed to be met. So, you know, when she was toilet trained and then she was, you know, was incontinent for quite some time with her brain damage, we could go to, I only go to the toilet on the toilet. As yeah, yeah. something that was then age appropriate for her and you weren't comparing to what other children the own age were doing because we were meeting with music um awesome. one of the main stories that I wanted to tell as part of this interview and I deliberately didn't bring it up with you before we actually recorded it um when Marley was at her sickest she had um I think it was about five weeks in a row and then we dipped in and out of being nasogastric tube fed and yeah. initially we thought that was because um from some of the damage of you know the prolonged extubation when we had tube down her throat um when she was in an induced coma that she'd lost uh-huh. her ability to swallow or chew or it was a sensory thing in her mouth or what it was yeah it took us a while to work out and an amazing play therapist to work out that in fact there was nothing wrong with any of those aspects of marley but Being able to choose what she was putting in her mouth and swallowing was the one thing in her life that she could control. And so she was refusing all food because that was the only thing that she felt she could control in her little world that had been so disrupted and out of control. So we worked with an amazing play therapist um, and really slowly reintroduced food to her in a play based way, you know, play picnics on the bed with play food and whatever. Um, And I ate a rainbow. Yes, I did was very much part of the like that we integrated teeny tiny stevie's music into the play therapy that we were doing so she could then get that messaging and because she felt like the teeny tiny stevie's were hers and she had real ownership of that we could then use elements of that song with her play therapy to get her eating again so gosh it's gonna make me cry when yeah. I said that I wanted to interview you guys because you were such an important part of her journey when she was really sick. Like I really, really meant it. Like you guys have spent some really shitty nights in hospital with us and yeah. her insomnia has been really bad. And gave her that sense of safety and comfort and connection and normality to childhood that she wasn't able to access in any other way, you know, particularly being an immunocompromised child during a global health pandemic. She couldn't yeah. go to play groups. She couldn't, she only she's six and a half. She only started school this year. and she She's only doing a part-time those other, you know, developmentally appropriate activities that other children were doing at that time. She got a lot of, cause she couldn't go to school, a play group yeah. of childcare. She got a lot of that through your music and they were types <sighs> of things that as her parent, I couldn't give her, like you need an external way of <sighs> teaching and an external perspective to be able to teach her and to make her feel accomplished in some of those things. So, so grateful to you guys, like just, I just, yeah, it's just such a sense of gratitude that we've got to you and what you've been able to do. So when Marley said before, it would be the best day of my life if I got to meet you, then she really, really, really meant it. She absolutely idolises you. So thank you so much for what you do. It's
1: just like, that's such, it's, yeah, that's what I mean. Like when you, um, that's an incredible story and thank you so much for sharing it with me. Um, But that's what I mean about how Teeny Tiny CV stuff is so, Oh my gosh, now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's like it it's um, you know, uh like who doesn't want to be sort of making a difference? You know, like it's it's incredible. But yeah, that's really that's totally amazing. And um I'm so so glad that, that our you know our songs were able to help. And yeah, I, and yeah. I get um, yeah, I get what you mean. Oh my god, sorry. <laughs> It does not take a lot for me to cry. Not that that was not a very moving story. It really was. But anyway, now I won't be able to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, no, really, really lovely. I'm yeah. uh, so when very I said moved before, by that story.
0: Thank you me. absolutely belong on this podcast because you have very much been part of Marley's journey. That's what I meant when I was saying oh. those things that. Um, yeah, while we were desperately trying to keep her alive physically, you were helping to maintain her mental health. And, oh, you know, gosh. she's such a fierce little thing. And I think that example of the fact that, you know, she refused to put things in her mouth because she had that fight in her Um is such a reflection of what her personality is like and you know I say all the time though that she has been dealt a really tough hand and she's had a really rough rough and traumatic life a lot of the time um and she's well within her right to be a complete asshole. but she is the sweetest kid in the whole world and I don't think that you can underestimate the impact of things like you know obviously there was other influences as well but her teeny tiny stevie's music time that she got to have on her ipad in bed maintaining her mental health and her sense of connection to childhood i don't think you can underestimate the impact that that's
1: had on her being able to fight as hard as she has so thank you very much what a what a privilege to be able to help with that um yeah i uh you know sometimes i have rough days clearly not as rough as marley (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't think many but, people have days as rough no as mine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that that <laughs> that story will um you know will help me on my rough days to keep going so yeah. and keep doing what we're doing so thank you <laughs> yeah well it means a lot to us so thank you so much um
0: so to finish it off um do you have a message for australian blood donors or anyone who's considering donating in the future
1: well, just a message for myself. Remember to book that in. I mean, yeah, like you have said, what an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. and I can find the time to do that. Is it? You know, that's 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 pretty simple thing for me to do. So I'm going to do it. So even that's if amazing. you've just convinced me to do it more regularly, this <laughs> would be worthwhile. <laughs> well, that's a, every
0: time you get in the chair, you save at least three lives, and that is just such a that's, special. That's that's amazing.
1: Remember. Maybe that, that's probably. Um, common knowledge, but I just haven't had that drummed down, you know, into my brain enough. Yeah. Every time you sit in the chair, there's three lives saved. That's yep. yeah, yeah, that, that's good.
0: Mm, it could be I'm three doing little it. Marlies that you know their mum gets to oh. kiss them good night that night instead of stop kissing stop it. Them <laughs> It's the way it is. I'm trying <laughs> to stop crying. All right. I'm gonna give you a minute to recompose yourself. I'm gonna go and get Marley. Um cool. if you are up for it. My um brother and sister-in-law are just about to have their second baby. Yes. Um and Marley said, Am I allowed to have a little sing about there's a baby in Mum's
1: tummy? Hi. Hi, Marley. How are you? I'm Good. Bill. Did you come you know from? <laughs> Did you come to, your mum told me that you were at the Aussie World Show.
0: Yeah.
1: I had the best time at that Aussie World Show. Thank you so much for coming. That was really, really fun.
0: Did you get to have a dance? Yeah. Was Campbell looking after you and having a dance with you? Yeah.
1: You know, I think I remember you guys actually oh. down the front. I think. I think I might, because I do remember an older sibling looking after a younger sibling. <laughs> dancing that down the front.
0: And that must <laughs> have been you. TV. Okay, you jump up and you can sit on Mummy's lap. What do you reckon? All right, I'm going sit with Mama. You can show Bill what's on your shirt.
1: Great T-shirt. Great T-shirt. What's
0: on here? Teeny Tiny Stevie. Yeah. And what's your favourite Teeny Tiny Stevie song? Mm, it's awesome. Mom. yeah there's lots of them isn't there I think we narrowed it down to three though didn't we yeah did we only go to the toilet on the toilet mm-hmm.
1: that's and a funny one
0: what about the rainbow yeah yeah the vegetable rainbow yeah yeah and what about there's a baby in mum's tummy yeah do you want to have a little sing with Bill for that one Mum. yeah yeah do you want to do it for baby <laughs> Evie Cause she's she about to be a big sister. Yeah.
1: All right. Where do you want to start it?
0: Which part do you want to start
1: on? Should I count us in? Should we start from the start? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And should we just? There's going to be a delay, but we'll just try anyway. Yeah. Just. Try. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. One, two, three, four. There's a baby in mum's tummy, and it kicks around a lot. It's making my mom tired and sometimes a little cross. The baby in mom's tummy's growing bigger every day, and one day when it gets, gets here, apparently here. it's gonna stay. Do you know the next bit? This, is my family. Soon will be four or not three. Mum says she still still loves me because I'm the one one. who she learned from. I I am am the first first. who made her burst with With love. love. (laughs) Oh, Molly, that was beautiful. It was beautiful singing. So beautiful. You're in the band. You're hired.
0: You're <laughs> you just got to be a fill in for the band today. You did. did you get to do that uh-huh. Did you get to fill in for Beth today? Yeah. Is that very, very yeah. cool? What do you reckon? Good. Hey, I was just telling Bill about your dog Patty. Yeah. Ah, what's his special job? It is, isn't it? And he does a beautiful job of it, doesn't he? Yeah. And where are we going this afternoon? Um we're going on a holiday this afternoon.
1: What? You're going on a holiday this afternoon?
0: Yeah, we're going to be gone for nine nights.
1: We're where gonna, are you going? Um,
0: first, well, first night we're going to Brisbane, and we're going to different holidays this week. First one we're going to, and tomorrow I'm going to the airport. Okay, where
1: are,
0: where flying are you flying to? to? Um, Tasmania.
1: Oh really?
0: There's gonna be lots of penguins and Tasmanian devils.
1: So so when once the weather's starting get to get a bit nicer, you're going where it's getting colder.
0: <laughs> We've got a good reason though, don't we? Is there a brand new baby down there? Oh of course.
1: Yeah.
0: Baby Matilda. Baby Matilda. Oh, so you get to have lots of newborn cuddles. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some baby stubbles. What do we reckon? What would you like to say?
1: I don't know.
0: Say you don't have
1: to know.
0: <laughs> girl. that was beautiful.
1: Thank oh, you, Marley, Marley, it's really, really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming to say hi, and thanks for singing with me.
0: Would you like the teeny tiny Stevie's to come back to the Sunshine Coast yeah. again? Yeah. Yeah. What do you reckon? Or even Brisbane, just yeah. Queensland somewhere
1: would be great Or oh, somewhere
0: in brisbane
1: somewhere in brisbane and i think we might be i think i'm i think i'm supposed to be making announcements soon i I can't tell you where because I, I need to check the dates but i'm pretty sure we're coming back up so amazing we'll that see you again great. yeah that oh, sounds
0: awesome cool so when we when they come back again it is a cool thing when we come back do you think that maybe because you've got a teeny tiny stevie's shirt yeah. do you think we could give the girls some milkshakes for marley shirts
1: yeah.
0: would that be nice yeah
1: what about Teeny Tiny Stevies shirts? I
0: think they've probably got plenty of Teeny Tiny <laughs> Stevies shirts, but maybe you could get another one. What do you think?
1: No Teeny Tiny
0: Stevies shirts. Yeah, because I think this one's in pretty high rotation, isn't it? And there's Mummy got the Teeny Tiny Stevies books in her new yeah. office to share with her kiddos? Yeah, there's one um, that she got. Yeah. Which one was it? Do you remember? The toilet one. Yeah, the toilet one. The <laughs> toilet one is an amazing resource for kids on the spectrum. Yeah. Okay. And well used with play therapists for kids on the spectrum.
1: Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. Cool.
0: Good I to really know. I have other clients, but I just like hanging out there with you at the moment. All right. Should we finish up? What can we say? We say thank you. Bye. Such a pleasure. Nothing feels more Australian, like the modern demonstration of mateship, than donating blood or breast milk, and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift, and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This episode was written and hosted by me, Kate Fisher. Today's guest was author and songwriter Bill Stephen from the Teeny Tiny Stevies and the Little Stevies, audio production by my hubby and Marley's dad, Jeff. To make an appointment to donate, please call 131495. 95. Our Lifeblood team is called Milkshakes for Marley, and we have donors from all over Australia. So please call Lifeblood and join us to add your donation to our team tally. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We would love you to share it with a friend and to join us on all the socials. And as always, I will leave the final word to Mali. Thank you for my plasma.